0: life merely the pursuit of happiness and being comfortable? What does it mean? Here's the question. What does it mean when life turns sour for a follower of Jesus? I think that uh, the Lord has the long view in mind. Sure. And often we only have the short view. The Lord could erase all of that he could take it all away, well, just, just easily, just snap his fingers and it's gone. Or he could minimize the effects of that uh, on the world generally, or even on believers individually. He could do that. Mm. But that is, hasn't been the case. You know, he's he saved us and left us in this world, not so that we can go into a holding pattern until eventually we get on the other side, sure. but because each day that he's given us in this life is an incredible treasure. That The the problems and difficulties of life often come from the hate of the Lord because of his tender care for us.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of What Do I Think? A podcast where we stop and explore some questions we have that are maybe going through your head too. We believe the Bible is absolute truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that someday he's returning. But if you're anything like us, as you read the Bible and follow after Christ, there are many questions that arise. Well, ultimately, we will never be able to figure out all the answers, and that's okay. This podcast digs into some of those questions, and we hope it will lead to some helpful discovery and knowing God more as you ask yourself, what do I think? Today, I talk with Pastor Don Trest as we explore the idea of the pursuit of happiness. Does God want us to be happy? Why does He allow us to endure suffering? What does that mean? What is God's ultimate concern for our life? Today is part one of a two-part conversation. We hope you enjoy part one, and that it will leave you eager to hear part two next time. As we begin to wrestle through these and other questions, I hope you will begin to ask yourself, What do I think? Well, I am here today with Pastor Don Tress. Don, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing fine, Jesse.
1: All right. Well, it's good to be together. So as as you and I were talking the other day, I think actually through texting, we began to get on the topic of that idea of the pursuit of happiness. We hear that quote. I think that's even a movie. Uh, So... Oh, no, no copyright I infringement. I hope. It. I uh, I believe it was with with uh, Will Smith. I might be off on that.
0: Ah, I like Will Smith. I have to go back and catch this one.
1: <laughs> so if it wasn't him, I might be off. But yes, there was a there was a movie, Pursuit of Happiness. Um, but it was that idea of pursuit of happiness. But then even as as a follower of Christ, uh, when things aren't so happy, when things look chaotic, when we're in the midst of turmoil, uh, how do we? of balance that with a, a loving God, with a does God want us to be happy? How much of a concern is our happiness to God? Some of those types of things. And so maybe if you'll just start us off kind of your thoughts that you've been thinking around that whole idea. I know you've got some scripture that you've been thinking of, and we'll have some conversation around that.
0: Well, I think the, uh, the central idea when we were texting back and forth um, is is like this. This is what we had text. Is life merely the pursuit of happiness and being comfortable? What does it mean, here's the question, what does it mean when life turns sour for a follower of Jesus? Christians get sick, they lose their jobs, they have issues with friends and family, have disappointments and problems. Why? Mm. Does the Bible address loss of happiness and discomfort? Mm. And I think that arose from Psalm 119.71, I was looking at it, I'm involved in a Biblical Hebrew class, so beginning to uh, understand some verses by reading them and exegeting them in Hebrew. And so Psalm 119 and verse 71 was one of the first verses that I tackled. And uh, this is how I translated it, which is very similar to the English, of course. English translation that you Mm. probably have. It is good for me, said the psalmist, that I have been humbled. And then I Mm. have in brackets, so this is my commentary on what that means, by the circumstances and events of my life. Mm. And I go on to say, so that, or the result, the benefit, the consequences of this having been humbled by the circumstances and events of my life, so that I may learn, then I have in brackets again, hmm. and be able to teach others your statutes. And then again, uh, in parentheses this time, further explanation of this word statutes, foundational principles of life under the care of God. Hmm. You know, in Psalm 119, there are a number of different words that the psalmist uses for the Bible. Hmm. You know, he'll use the word... He'll use statutes, he'll use law, will use commandments, ordinances. They're just, they they've switched back and forth, you know, throughout Psalm 119. And um, sometimes we think of these as being synonyms, but they probably could operate as a synonym, but they probably have uh, subtle uh, shades of, of meaning. Okay. And I think this word statutes would be principles or okay. perspectives. You know, it's kind of the foundational ideas that we need to be able to plot our course hmm. as we uh, walk with the Lord and follow Him. You know, in the circumstances and events of life. Does any of that make sense?
1: It does. Can I? Can I? Let me pause right there and just maybe, especially for those that are listening, uh, just to repeat the reference, but then read it. Uh, what what it does say. Uh, but I, I, I like what you're saying and kind of your your version of it. But th- and this is from the ESV Psalm 119. 71 says it is good for me that i was afflicted that i might learn your statutes and so that's the the verse that we're talking about
0: Ah. so there's a there's a difference uh between the translation of the hebrew in the version that you're using afflicted okay and the word that i chose and i'm not sure if there's other versions that have this have been humbled okay and uh I think I get it from, if I remember correctly, from the idea that this being humbled or this being afflicted—this word "afflicted" is being—is the idea of being debased, okay? And it's being—it's being brought down, and uh, the affliction uh, leaves you um, exasperated or leaves you uh, brought you to an end of yourself. It 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 makes you turn outward hmm. to the Lord instead of inward to your own resources. And it takes hard knocks. I think it takes um, takes difficult times in order to, I think, work out of us that Mm -hmm. natural human disposition toward self sufficiency and pride that hinders us from really knowing God in the way that He wants to be known. Mm -hmm.
1: So you you mentioned what what versions I I just I pulled up on Bible Hub. That's got all the versions uh, and afflicted and suffer are the most common as I'm scrolling through but in the Aramaic in the Aramaic Bible in plain English which is more of a, <clears throat> a direct translate it does say it is good for me that I have been humbled okay uh, so the, so you're not you're not uh, pulling that completely out of thin air That's there's at least one no, other thank person thank
0: <laughs> you you saved my bacon i think <laughs>
1: there's at least one other person um, one the the Dewey Reams Bible says humbled as well so there's at least two people out there that that are that agree with you
0: and what's the history on the Dewey Ream
1: I do not know. Do you know?
0: Um, I'm afraid to say because I can't remember, but I think it's the Catholic version. Okay. <laughs> which is which is a good translation, yes. by the way. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's not anything uh, wrong with that You know, translation. They relied on the same uh, manuscripts that a lot of the other older versions relied on, and since then we have more resources to look at. But sure. I think it goes back to where it's difficult sometimes to take not only the Hebrew word, but it's rendering in its in its um, syntactical context, Sure. and to try to bring it over directly into English, often, often it just doesn't, it doesn't come directly over. One of the things that I've noticed in about Hebrew is that it seems to be uh, a pictorial or or emotion language. Mm, mm-hmm. In other words, it's painting pictures that y- you know. It's like it's like a heart language. Right. Uh, whereas Greek is very uh, proficient. It's um, it's, um, it's organized. It seems to um, be more of a mind language. Sure, sure. And that's just my thoughts on right. that. Well,
1: but, and, you know, <laughs> I think that the King James version gets a lot of uh, flack. Um, you know, people that make fun of those that adhere to King James say they think that that's, uh, that's what Jesus spoke or whatever. But in the same way, I think a lot of, especially here in America, we think that the English version is the most accurate. Uh, but I think to your point is, we can even really I think in in effort to translate it correctly, uh, we might even do a disservice because we take out some of that feeling, some of that emotion, some of the the heart behind what it's saying. So maybe, maybe let's let's camp here for a second. As far because you mentioned a couple things. One, you said the, okay, so we we are humbled, we are afflicted, we suffer. Uh, so there's the um, there's the enduring those things, there's going through those things, but then there's the we learn from them. And what you're saying, we don't just learn things to puff up or, or learn to gain knowledge, but then we learn to teach. Uh, and so there's almost kind of two aspects there that you're I hear you saying. So that idea, again, of that pursuit of happiness, or what about when things go sour, what does it mean here in this psalm, but maybe even just in a broader term, that it's good for us to be humbled. It's good for us to be afflicted. How That seems like a, an oxymoron. Uh, as a follower of Christ, in your experience as a pastor for 30 plus years, as a follower of Christ for even longer, uh, what are your thoughts on that idea?
0: Well, um, I think that uh, the Lord has the long view in mind, Sure. and often we only have the short view. The mm-hmm. short view for us may be you know, the job that we're in now, you know, our youth, you know, <laughs> maybe even, maybe we're even willing to look at the whole life at a, at a span. Sure. But we're thinking usually in terms of the benefit derived in the short term. In other words, I need food, you know, I need uh, financial resources to pay my bills. Sure. You know, I've got, I need, uh, I, I need to be have enough strength and health and vitality to do the things that I feel like I need to do in life. So those are the pressing issues for me. Hmm. And so if I, have an, if I have good health and if I have enough money hmm. and um, if I have the opportunity, you know, the strength and health and vitality uh, to do the things that I need to do day to day and week to week, then life is good. Hmm. You know, it can get much better than this. And, but the Lord has a longer view in mind, mm. and because what, how we're being shaped, you know, how we're being molded and made now, will be who we, we are becoming then, who we will be uh, for all eternity. Mm. And so the Lord knows that much of life, much of life still lies ahead for the believer on into the eternities. Mm. And so this world is really the only opportunity we have to experience uh, hardship, uh, to live in a world where there is sin and oppression and injustice, where there's disappointment, there's tragedy. The Lord could erase all of that, mm. He could take it all away, with just just easily just mm. snap his fingers and it's gone. Or he could minimize the effects of that on the world generally or even on believers individually. He could do that. Mm. But that is hasn't been the case. Mm. You know, he's he's saved us and left us in this world, not so that we can go into a holding pattern until eventually we get on the other side. Sure, but because each day that he's given us in this life is an incredible treasure. Wow, there are opportunities in each day mm. that God gives us through the troubles and disappointments as well as the joyful things mm. uh, to continue to uh, deepen in our in our humanness, I guess, mm. uh, to become um, less, less uh, trivial, sure. or more substantial. sure. That's what life's about.
1: Mm. And
0: so even though we don't like the pain, and even though we pray and rightfully should to be delivered from mm-hmm. these types of things, mm-hmm. and God often will answer prayer and, and lighten the load or mm. make provision for us, uh, we should embrace, I think everything. That the Lord allows to come our way, by way of His sovereign choice. Mm. That's why we read in Romans, all things work together for good. Mm. You know, to those and then the tra- and in the translation here gets difficult. Uh, to those who who love God, or to those who who uh, are loved of God, sure. or to those who love the God who loves us. Okay, they're all three true. Sure, but the point is, is that. God's plan and purposes for us as individuals, mm. in the bigger scheme of things, is good. Mm. And we have opportunity to grumble and gripe, and fear and fume, or we have the opportunity to trust in the Lord and walk with Him and continue to grow and develop mm. uh, into that Christ-like character that's that's potentially there for us.
1: Mm. Amen. You know, I've never thought of the point that you just said, or I guess a thought that I, I got listening to you, is God is capable, obviously God can do all things, but God is capable of the second we believe to say, okay, got another one and just bring, bring us up to heaven. Sure. Yeah. But I've never quite thought about it the way what you said made me think, but He leaves us here. That's what you said. He leaves us here to allow us to... I guess the, the cynical side to, allows us here to continue to struggle or suffer or allows us to be here to continue to grow, to continue to mature, uh, and to prepare us for the eternity. Uh, and again, what, something you said, you said this is the only opportunity that we have mm-hmm. to endure, to grow in this way, to uh, do some of those things. So those are, I think, great thoughts uh, and maybe a little bit of a different. If we could shift our perspective to think of it that way, then you know we don't mm-hmm. err towards the grumbling and complaining. That last week's episode, uh, if you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Deals with that whole idea of that we're prone to groan, uh, to to grumble and complain. Uh, we see the Israelites that, and that um, one of the last things that the Israelites do before God tells them, you know what? None of y'all are going into the Promised Land is kind of the, the the straw that broke the camel's back is they, they grumbled and complained, and God was like, fine, you got your generation is dying off. Uh, and so God doesn't want us to grumble and complain. He wants us to shift our perspective to understand, God, what do you have for me in this?
0: I think that um, the story of the wilderness wandering, though, ha- cuts another way. Because um, um, when the Lord said, okay, I'm fed up to my eyeballs with you, right we're done. Right. And, uh, you know, he said, I'm going to leave you out here until your carcasses rot on the sand. (laughs) And he said, those children that you said you professed that you were concerned about Mm. by bringing them into the promised land, you wanted to protect them. Mm. He said, they're the ones that are going to uh, be the ones to have the privilege to go into that land, Mm. not you. Mm. So, you know, in keeping this, I think, balanced is Mm. that, Sometimes bad things happen to those who profess to be God's people, and it's not a good thing wow, yeah, in other words, um you know there there i guess there is there's discipline which I understand discipline to be uh that pressure applied to encourage us to move in a better direction, hmm. okay, but there's also discipline that comes in which you've you've gone beyond the point to where. Uh, we can make we can make this better. Mm. I'm not sure, but maybe, you know, there's some obscure passages even in the New Testament. You get the one in um, John where it says, you know, pray, but not, I don't remember how it's worded, John chapter 5, but don't, no need to pray for the sin that leads unto death. Mm. Okay? Mm. Of course, there's no information given to us there. It's all open to conjecture. Anybody sure. would say, this is what this means, absolutely, <laughs> is... Is whistling Dixie, and uh, in New York. Okay, <laughs> okay. But, uh, but, and then there's the, the the communion service observance. You know, there's only one place, uh, outside of the evening, of mm. the uh, um, institution of Lord's supper, where there's given any instructions on how we're to mm-hmm. observe this. Mm. And the reason why those instructions are given by Paul, in First um, Corinthians eleven, mm-hmm. is because there had been some some misbehavior mm. and some conduct that was unbecoming mm. to those who claim uh, the name of Christ. Mm. And so it's a it's a it's a section of rebuke, like much of Corinthians is, mm. by the way. Mm. And he said, he said, let it be known, he says, that there are some of you believers, I'm not talking about unbelievers. Right. He says, some of you believers who have experienced illness and even death because you have you have uh, uh, been engaged or involved in misconduct when it comes to observance of the Lord's Supper. Again, I don't know all that that means. It does make my it does make my eyes open real wide sure. and say, "Oh my!" Uh, the Lord takes some things very serious, and even as His child, even though He's bringing discipline and developing and, and all of that, uh, if if I'm if I'm belligerent or if I'm um, uh, if I'm determined, you know, to uh, to walk amiss mm. and I don't heed his 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 counsel and his, you know, his encouragement, uh, then, you know, there are some bad things that happen that mm. aren't really such a good thing. Does mm. that make sense? I mean, that's kind of swinging this pendulum back the other way a little bit. Sure, sure. And,
1: so, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing you maybe bring up is that idea of Um, That God God disciplines those He loves. Um, Is that is that a stretch to kind of what you're what you're speaking of? Absolutely. He
0: he disciplines those that He loves. Scripture says that, not just me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yes.
1: But I'm not trying to make uh, if if that's not uh, going in in line with what you're saying. Um, And so that sometimes we take that to mean that God punishes us or God inflicts things on us. Mm. But part of that discipline. Uh, could be allowing us, one, He, there's consequences to our disobedience. Sure. Um, uh, and so allowing us to go through some things that are ultimately for our good or, like the Israelites, we can just fight and fight and fight until he says, I've had it up to my eyeballs, uh, as you said. So I, I don't know if
0: that... That's... Yeah, I think there are two uh, analogies that come to mind. Okay. One is, is that life is like being on a on a on a athletic team okay you know my kids play soccer they played baseball and uh some of my kids played high school soccer i had a couple that actually played college soccer and uh i, don't, I you know there's a lot of misery involved in in, uh, uh, in playing on a on an athletic team you have to train you have to work hard hmm. And, uh, and the coach isn't always happy with you. Mm. you know, he, wants, he wants you to, to be the very best that you can be, and working together as a team, mm. that the team be successful. In order to do that, sometimes he says harsh things to you. Sometimes he mm. runs you through drills that, mm. that are a little bit over the top. Mm. You know, And so there's a sense in which once at stake here in our walk with the Lord, Transcends the the, the moment mm. and is going to take mm. us on into eternity, mm. and it has an impact on how well uh, others on our team mm. will do. In other words, Christianity is not a solo sport. You know, and how we play, and how we train, and how seriously we take it does have implications for those around us. Mm-hmm. I and mean, we can inspire them to step up and 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 do their do their best. Or we can discourage them mm-hmm. so that they feel less inclined to give their best effort. So there's all that that yeah. plays into it. So you see, so that's maybe part of the picture. Uh, the other analogy is uh, one with a mother and her children. Okay. And uh, my wife uh, and I have nine children. And uh, we spaced you. them out so a couple <laughs> grew out and left before, you know, everything's going on. but. I remember uh, one of my boys' baseball coach called her uh, the, mother goose, the mother goose with her goose legs. He okay. said he'd see her in the store and it'd be stair-stepped down, you know, <laughs> one right after the other. So she'd go in the store shopping with, you know, four, five, six of them or whatever. And, uh, and you know, they're going around buying things. But occasionally, one of them knucklehead boys would just be, just be difficult. Hmm. And so Mama would tell them, said, you need to straighten up. You need to settle down. Um, you know, she could have told him. I don't think she had ever said this, but <laughs> you're embarrassing me. Hmm. You know, I'm your mother, and people think I'm a bad mother because you're acting this way. Mm. And, and I, I would prefer that you not do that. Or he may be just maybe pulling stuff off the shelf, you know, just, just running the aisles, just doing crazy stuff, and, and she's telling him, said, you need to stop this, and there are consequences for your behavior, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Uh, but it just goes on and on and on. So after a while, you know, she'll put up the cold stuff from her buggy, okay, and leave the other stuff in the buggy. And she says, "You're out of here. I'm taking you home." She'll load, you know, the little guy up and the rest of the siblings and take them home, and then. Uh, the rule in our house was if if you make mama unhappy, you make me unhappy. <laughs> and if you make me unhappy, I make you unhappy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> And so there's a sense in which uh, the Lord says, and, and, and my wife doesn't love this child any less sure. because of any of this. Actually, her heart is broken. She wants the best for him, sure. wants him to, you know, to, 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 to step up and to be the kind of person that he can be. Mm. She doesn't love him any less. She doesn't disown him. Mm. She doesn't kick him out of the family or anything, but she says, "We cannot continue on. Mm. We cannot continue on if you're with this behavior uh in this environment. I'm sure. going to have to take you home." Sure. So, possibly that's what happens with some believers. You know, so what
1: sure. so for for a for a believer then that maybe is uh, pulling things off the shelf spiritually so to say or running through the aisles uh, what 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 would you say would then as that analogy what would that represent the taking home uh, what what would that look like for a follower of Christ
0: well that's a good question uh, and i think it's after every other avenue has been exhausted hmm. that taking them home may be the maybe the same as the lord saying okay, I'm going to bring you on into heaven, into my presence. Hmm. Okay? And so, um, but, you know, that's an analogy. Every analogy breaks down at some point sure. or whatever. <laughs> but that explains things like 1 Corinthians 11 and the communion service. Some of you sleep, he says. Hmm. He uses that word sleep hmm. generally when he's speaking about believers dying. Sure. So it's not someone who's a pretender to be a Christian, huh. or someone, but it's someone who really is. Okay. It's not someone uh. who... Uh, got saved, and, and now he's being kicked out of the family, or whatever, sure. not being saved. No, no. But he has misbehaved in such a way that it's become intolerable as mm. far as the Lord's concerned. Mm. And so the Lord says, we need to take uh, we need to take action here beyond what we would normally take, and mm. that would be to bring you on to be with heaven. Again, when you say that, you have to be careful, because yeah. there are some young Christians who go to be with the Lord early. Uh, there's some who die in their 40s or 50s or 60s. If we're not careful, then I think we'll misstate and we'll say that because someone dies prematurely, right. it's obviously because you know they had pulled too many cans off sure. the shelves in the grocery store. Sure. Right. That's not true either. Right. I mean, it's all you know. There, there, there's. It's, it's more complicated than that. We've started out by saying that. The, he was thanking the Lord for the difficulties, you know, for being yes. humbled in the yes. struggles. So we're out talking that that, um, the, that the problems and difficulties of life often come from the hand of the Lord because of His tender care for us. Mm. So we almost kind of flipped the cart and went the other way with it. Okay. It sounds like we're, we're talking out of the, both sides of our mouth. <laughs> but I do want to read in 1 Corinthians 11 just to clarify. Yes, please. Okay, so he says, um, he's talking about the communion service, for often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes." That's 11.26. Mm -hmm. And then in in uh, 11.28, "...let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks uh, judgment uh, on himself." That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. In my version here, hmm. uh, let me look to see what we got. Anything else there? That, that, that's the ESV the yeah. right? The Greek is literally half fallen "have fallen asleep." asleep. Mm-hmm. But if we be judged, ourselves if we judge ourselves, if we judged ourselves truly, hmm. we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Hmm. Um, so that's that's. That's one of the texts that we were referring to that there does seem to be uh, you know, some uh, consequences yeah. uh, here. All right, then, <laughs> kind of back to what we were talking yeah. about. Uh, I'm going to read in uh, Hebrews okay. chapter 12. And it says, uh, my son, let's see what I've got here. Um, it goes, um, yeah, uh, verse 3 of chapter 12. We'll start there. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, that being the Lord, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted when you experience like like things. In verse 4, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Hmm. Now, we don't know exactly all that that means. We begin to speculate at this point your struggle against sin We sure. you're talking about personal sin temptation all that or is there in the context of the book of Hebrews is he talking about you know something within um, you know the larger idea that that the Jewish believers were uh, struggling with um, fully embracing Christianity and leaving off sure. Judaism sure. so there's there's a lot of questions and it's okay to ask those questions also important to say some of it, it isn't clear, okay? Sure. So I don't know if this is your struggle against sin personally, okay? Sure. It could be. It, it, there's no reason for it not to be, Right. just not sure. But in verse 5, and he says, Have you forgotten? And whenever I think a text says, Have you forgotten? It's because we have forgotten, <laughs> okay? And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Now he's quoting from the Old Testament. Yeah. He's quoting from the book of Proverbs showing there is continuity between the teaching of the Old Testament and that which Mm. the New Testament regarding how the spiritual life is supposed to work, Mm. okay? Mm. Uh, This new Christian isn't a new improved model, okay? Understand that. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. There's not a mean bad God in the Old Testament who wants to throw people around and there's this warm friendly, want to hug you God in the New (laughs) Testament, okay? There's not, you know, that that uh, we have to understand that. okay?
1: Yes, and that's, and that's important because we do like to make a disconnect there often. Yes. So I think that's good to...
0: So he says, my son, uh, do not regard lightly or take for granted uh, the discipline of the Lord or the training of the Lord. Does it have discipline in your version? Mm-hmm, it okay. does. Uh, Nor be weary when reproved or corrected by him. Hmm. So in other words, uh, it's tiresome. It can get tiresome. The Lord graciously dealing with us to help us grow. Mm. And it's possible for us to get weary. I think that would mean disheartened, you know, discouraged, mm. just kind of, you know, what's the use kind of thing? Mm. Uh, because in verse 6, for the Lord disciplines the one, okay, and the only one, or ones that he loves. That's the key point there. Mm. And he chastises. So there's discipline, chastises. You know that's the that's the Hebrew parallelism. Hmm. They'll say one statement, then they'll say it again, mm-hmm. and they'll balance them off each other. So the Lord disciplines the one He loves, and He chastises every son whom He receives, or every son that's 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 His, that's hmm. been that's born of Him. Hmm. Okay, so we can expect them, and we should expect that since the Lord loves us, the same God that loved the world. That gave his only begotten son mm. you see that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life that that same love is operating in our spiritual lives when he disciplines us and when he chastises mm. us he goes on to say now in verse seven it is for discipline that you have to endure mm. you now you're experiencing this because it's for your betterment mm. it's good for you mm. you know it's kind of like our dads used to say, it's going to hurt you worse than it hurts me, boy. And uh, I still don't believe that. But, uh, but what he meant was is that I've got to do this. If I'm going to be true to being a, a godly father, if I'm mm. going to be the man that I need to be in your life, then mm. I need I need to discipline you. Mm. And discipline sometimes means, you know, I guess a swat on the pamper or the <laughs> disposable diaper to make a lot of racket or whatever. For It is for discipline that you have to endure. It's a necessity. Mm. God is treating you then. This is mm. this is proof now that mm. God is treating you as sons, as legitimate sons. Mm. Okay? For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Now we could go back to that grocery store with my wife, and even though she's the mother in that situation, she's usually the one that takes them to the grocery. They go to the grocery store because she can't leave them at home by themselves. <laughs> Needs somebody to watch over them. So they're They are there, and so my kids, maybe on that day, are just perfect little angels. Mm. They're smiling and walking where they're supposed to be and just being whatever. But there's another mother there, and she Mm. has three little boys, and Mm. they are rascals. (laughs) And she's yelling at them, and they're just laughing at them, doing their only thing or whatever. And... uh, one of my sons might look to my wife and say, you need to go over there and take care of that, Mom. Mm. And she would say, no, it's not my business. Mm. And my son would say, why? If it were me, you see, <laughs> you would discipline me. And uh, she would say, well, that's the point. You belong to me. Mm. They, are, they do not. They are not my sons. Mm. So that's what he's saying here. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there who his father does not discipline? Mm. If you are left, therefore, without this discipline, verse 8, in which all who are legitimate sons of the Father uh, have participated, Mm. then you are illegitimate children and not sons. It's (laughs) the idea that, you know, I'm not your daddy. Mm. There's somebody else who's your daddy. Mm. And since uh, you're not my son, you're not my legit son, Mm. I have no responsibility to discipline you. Mm. And so therefore, someone who says they're a believer and never seems to experience the correction of the Lord in their lives, then... We have reason then to suspect mm. as to whether they've actually been born of the Lord or not. He says, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, right? Correct? Yeah. Mm. And we respected them, which means we uh, appreciate them. Now, I guess now he's speaking to adults. Mm-hmm. When you're a child, I'm not sure whether we <laughs> that would be a, a correct an assertion. We respected them, <laughs> you know you know i do have sons that are older now and i've gone to one of them in particular cuz he was a rascal and told him said i may have been i said i apologize that I, I may mm-hmm. have been too heavy-handed <laughs> in my discipline with you he laughed at me. he said no he said i deserved every bit of it <laughs> well while we were going through that you see and he did appreciate me coming to him and saying look you know if there's any residual problems from from back then let's see if we can't work that out sure. uh i'm your human father which means i am less than perfect sure and have made mistakes some I recognize at the time some it's only later down the road that I look back so sure. anyway so so we respected them and I find as my children get older they look back and say yeah you know we really appreciate all that you did for us mm-hmm. he says shall we not much more be subject under the rule of mm-hmm. uh, the father of spirits and live for they are earthly fathers disciplined for us, us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. And I'll stop there, but I think that's a, that's a great passage to uh, flesh out you know, our, our initial uh, thesis that we, that we proclaim.
1: Thank you for listening to Episode 7 of What Do I Think? I hope this episode was helpful in exploring questions like, is God concerned about my happiness? And if so, why does he allow me to endure challenges and suffering? We hope you are looking forward to part two of this conversation as we offer our thoughts on what God's ultimate concern is for our life. Until then, I hope you will ask yourself, What do I think?